0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here today. Why don't you grab your Bibles, meet me in the gospel of Mark chapter 4. Let's begin today in verse 35, and this will not be our key verse, but I want to look at something briefly before we go to our key verse. And when I say key verse, I actually believe that the scripture I will take you to today is is considered by many and considered by myself to be the greatest statement of faith in the entire Bible. And I'm going to take us there in just a moment, but let's begin in Mark chapter four and let's open up with prayer. Heavenly father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy spirit would come and illuminate the scriptures so that we can understand them and apply them to our lives today. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus, name we pray amen and amen, praise the Lord and today, this is the last message of the of the year, as in just a few more days we will roll into the new year, so it is my joy to uh sign off of this calendar year with you in great anticipation for the coming year and uh let's build our faith up hallelujah now mark chapter four verse thirty five On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So this entire story in the Bible, uh, and Mark is excellent uh, with this, it all hinges on the statement of the Lord, let us cross over to the other side. You can never downplay the words of Jesus. You can never treat them lightly. Everything that he says is the inspired word of God. And when he says, let us cross over, that's not just like, well, maybe we will, maybe he'll change his mind or maybe he won't. You know, this is an absolute thing that is going to take place. He is going to the other side and nothing is going to stop him. And so when we have the Lord speak to us, We need to take that as the concrete word of God, and we need to move forward with it, even, of course, when storms, trials, or difficulties will pop up. And, of course, they certainly do at times, and that's what we have going on here. Verse 36, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, So that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So watch out for fear. Fear is not some kind of just intangible Something or another that floats through the air and affects people in a negative way. Fear is a spirit and we Uh, do not have a spirit of fear. That's not anything that God has given to you and I. Now, there are many people out in the world, they get whacked with that spirit of fear and it hits them. And uh, the next thing you know, you could have uh, a crowd lose complete control. You can have people in hysteria, running around, screaming, panicking, and so forth. But that is something that is never our portion or or our inheritance, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, the exact opposite, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Praise God. Even, even should you receive the most uh, unsettling news, nothing will shake you. You have a sound mind in all things. So why are you so fearful? And then he continues by saying, how is it that you have no faith? Well, in the church, of course, you wouldn't be in the church, born again and saved, unless you had used your faith to receive salvation in Christ. So when God speaks his word, it's not like, you know, Christians doubt that Jesus was crucified there at Calvary at Golgotha, and they don't doubt stories like that. They don't doubt that Uh, God worked through Moses to split the Red Sea and uh, Moses and the Israelites crossed over. There's no doubt along those lines. It's usually more of the doubting of the the everyday situation that you're living in, such as uh, let us go to the other side. Well, when the storm came, there was tremendous doubt, total unbelief as to whether that even is going to be fulfilled. Obviously they thought it wasn't because they all thought they're going to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. (laughs) Well, we know the end of the story. They get to the other side, but uh, that statement of the Lord, let us cross over to the other side. You can't treat that lightly. That is the spoken. It's now out there. That is the uttered word of God And God's word will not return to him void. So Jesus is getting over there. And, uh, you know, he is looking for us to get to where we're supposed to arrive at. And we we are going to arrive the exact same way. We're going to have to stay in faith because when trials and difficulties do come up, then you have to really cling then to the Word of God. And I'm not saying necessarily that you have to cling to the Word that God struck Egypt and Pharaoh with ten plagues. Well, you know that. Some of you learned that in Sunday school, growing up in the things of God, in the ways of the church and so forth, which is all good. But that's not always what he's asking you to cling to. While we do cling to the Logos Word of God, which is Scripture in its entirety, we're clinging uh, rather instead... Uh, in context of what we're looking at here in these types of situations where the apostles would lose faith we're looking at clinging to the word that was spoken that pertains to our life praise God and it so pertained to their life that they're supposed to go to the other side and I would say today that there's another side that you're supposed to go to you're supposed to go into the next year Well, Pastor Stephen, I I guess we're going to go, but I guess it'll just be like another year, like another year. No, (laughs) you're supposed to go in faith. You're supposed to go into the new year in faith, believing, trusting God. And that is really how the Christian life is centered in the sense that the just shall live by faith and faith not in just some random something or another like, you know, let the chips fall where they may No, faith in God's revealed and spoken word to you, faith of increase, faith, uh, uh for, uh, greater levels of peace, uh, faith for greater levels of witnessing, uh, faith for greater levels of giving and on and on it goes. So we're living intentionally. We're not just floating through life. We are living. We're living intentionally to cross to the other side, come storm or waves or wind or whatever it might be. We're going to get to the other side. And of course, Uh, This would get into the subject of authority and using the authority that Christ has delegated to us. That was something that the apostles were beginning to learn, but really just wanted Jesus to carry them indefinitely so that they never had to use their faith. And Jesus allowed them to be in situations that would give them the opportunity to rise up and respond and use their faith. And so we have the same thing. We know that our faith is for more than just the born again experience. That's uh, that's just getting out of the starting blocks. Now, if that's all you ever experienced, thank God you got your ticket stamped to heaven and you're on your way. But there's so much more, especially. When you want to accomplish and fulfill what the Lord has called you to do, it is a, a continual faith walk. And sometimes there are storms that you cannot pray away. You cannot fast and pray and say, uh, Leave in the name of Jesus. <laughs> sometimes you have to go through them, or at least you have to encounter them. And through your faith, either the storm is subdued or uh, you have quite a boat ride, but nevertheless, you get safe. Uh, and secure to the other side. So there's different means of getting there. You know, Paul, the apostle got on the ship one time that he said, Oh no, this, this is not good. We're going to all end up in disaster. Uh, But because he was a prisoner, he was forced to go anyhow, because, Uh, The centurion over him, and the captain of the ship said, oh, no, no, we're going to go ahead and go. We're the professional uh, mariners around here. Paul, you're a great theologian, but you don't know the seas like we do. (laughs) Well, he didn't know maybe the seas like they did, but he did know the Holy Spirit, and he knew that that trip was destined for disaster, and they're now in that storm, and Paul could not fast or pray to get them out of the storm. They had to go through certain types of things. Now, my friends, regardless of what you're going through, don't quit. Keep on going. And when I say keep on going, I'm emphasizing stay in faith according to what God has spoken to you through his anointed word, perhaps through the prophetic word, uh, perhaps through a vision or a supernatural encounter. You hold to the word of the Lord so that you also may get to the other side. Now, I had a situation in my life years back where uh, I had a great financial test. Uh, Maybe you could say I was like sailing along in the boat and then the storm blew up and began to rage. And it's like uh, money just began to stop flowing into the ministry for a couple of weeks and that's that's all it takes is for a couple of weeks to cause some uh, situations that could be unpleasant. And we had some reserves, of course, but eventually go through the reserves. And then after a couple of weeks, uh, things got even slower. Hmm. Well, I thought, well, I'm not living in any type of uh, sin. I'm not walking uh, in any type of unforgiveness, or uh, in other words, I don't have doors open that would allow the enemy to come in here and legally harass me financially, so I thought, what in the world is going on? Well, I I sensed in my spirit it's the old dirty devil, uh, up to his tricks, trying to hinder and uh, basically frustrate the preaching of the gospel, and uh, I, I could sense that that was going on behind the scenes, but nevertheless, the circumstances were still very much real in my natural life. Well, what did I do? Well, I did what I had been taught to do through the Word, uh, through good mentors and teachers that have previously spoken into my life. And you know, you hold to the Word of the Lord. You stand in faith, and even though the winds are blowing and the sea is raging, you stand in faith. We're going to the other side. Well, I, I did that, and I I kept standing. And you know what happened? It got <clears throat> excuse me. It got worse. And I thought, well, surely I'm, I'm a man of faith. Uh, uh, you know, my faith is working. Well, I believe it was working, but I, I just wasn't seeing any results. <laughs> so what did I do? Well, I continued to stand in faith and another week would go by and there would be some unpaid bills and then the bills begin to get further behind. And then it's like the enemy just uh, caused circumstances to look uh, almost like hopeless and uh the pressure was on. And you know what happened? After believing in God and trusting in God for over a month and uh you, you know doing all I could in the natural and uh praying and seeking the Lord, after about a month, there came a day, there came a moment during the day when I I let for the first time, I let doubt come into my heart. Now the doubts were swirling around my mind, okay, but I had never let it come into my heart. And I thought, I had a thought, well, you know, the Lord has really pulled me through before, but uh, I, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm in uh, uh, some type of new territory here, and uh, I don't know if God's going to come through for me. And I, and I did not verbalize that, but I had a thought that, you know, I felt like, well, Lord, you've let me down. And I. so I did not say that out loud, but that thought for the first time, it came into my heart. And uh, when I let that in, I began to kind of think a little bit. Well, yeah, I I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get out of this. And I had never had thought anything like that before because I just knew God's going to get me out. God's going to get me through. But now I had let a fiery dart of the enemy come in, and it got past my shield, and boom, it had uh, created some doubt in me. Now. I I had decided to go down to the office during the evening to pray. Now, this was years back. So I I go down to the office, and uh, it's after 5 o'clock. Everybody clears out and so forth, and I'm there by myself. Kelly called me from the house and said, Stephen, I see a a few uh, bills online that have come in that uh, we need to cover these like immediately. They're right on the edge. We can't go any further. I said, okay. So, you know, more circumstances uh, that all of this is like coming towards me. And I'm like, well, Lord, you haven't done anything yet. And, uh, Oh, Oh, well, you know, just, you know, stack them up with all the others. And so I just went down there and I began to start praying and I prayed for quite a few hours and I started to feel better. Uh, And uh, But let me say this, Kelly had also called again, and she told me just of a a few more. And after that, uh, well, actually, while I was still on the phone with her during that call, uh, somebody came into the office. Would you believe this? This is wild. Now, of course, the front office door is locked. Um, Everything's locked up. But somebody came into the office. I knew they came in and stood right behind my left shoulder. And the moment uh, this person came in. I knew exactly who it was, and so Kelly's on the phone. She's updating me with some further stuff, and I said, "Kelly, I said I have to get off the phone." Now it was probably about nine o'clock uh, when this took place, and she said, "Is everything okay?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "I'll explain it later," and she knew exactly. She knew somehow exactly what I meant. Uh, I didn't have to say too much. She knew what was going on, so I, I hung up the phone and I turned around, and they're standing to my side was the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church himself. Now, this is wild in the sense that sometimes people say, Pastor Stephen, I've I've heard your stories and some of the neat experiences the Lord has allowed you to have, and I'd like to have something like that. Well, I would actually prefer that you not have something like this (laughs) and that you do some things right so that you would not have this type of supernatural encounter. Now, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And, uh, but, uh, if the Lord comes in a way that is not a celebratory type experience, uh, uh, then it's something that you're being corrected on. And that's what was going on with me. So no, I, I wouldn't want anybody to have an unhappy moment like this. I wouldn't call it unhappy, but it certainly wasn't joyful. It was corrective. And when the Lord was standing there, he was not happy. He was not smiling he 's not like, "Hey, I love you anyhow, and my grace is all sufficient no there was there was uh, none of that there was a real problem here, and he 's there to address this issue that I have in my heart now this is something in the Western Church with an overload of great uh, of grace teaching that uh, some Christians may struggle with the theology of this because they just think that Jesus is always your buddy. God is your, God the Father is your sweet daddy and uh, everything's lollipops and sugar cookies and uh, if, you, if you sin or mess up, you know, God's grace will just wipe it all away and uh, everything is just always you know, good, good, good to go between you and God. But that's not scriptural. It's certainly not scriptural in the Old Covenant although there was a lot of mercy and you do see elements of grace under the Old Covenant although they had a law system. But even in the New Testament with uh, with the uh, you know, the teaching of grace and the law coming through Moses and grace and truth coming through Jesus, you still see the right balance. And I think that's where some are missing it. There is a balance. You've got to get this thing right because if you have a, a genuine walk with the Lord and uh, you know there's a disobedience or something like that, it's not like everything's okay and hunky dory and good when it's not. And so if you really want to please the Lord and there is something that gets off, he will bring... A correction, and uh, it's not like oh, this is wonderful. So when I turned and saw the Lord, this is not one of like I've had other times that I'm seen Him and it's real happy, and you know you 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 can enjoy the visionary experience perhaps more. But this is this is one of those times I'm not looking to see what He looks like. I'm not looking to right. I really don't have any interest in what He's wearing. You know, I, I don't really care how tall He is or how much He weighs or what color of His eyes are. This has you understand what I'm saying. This type of visionary experience. Uh, is not, that's not what the focus is on. The focus is that Stephen Brooks is off and the Lord's there to get me uh, corrected. And so the most amazing thing happened uh, the Lord, He supernaturally stepped on the inside of me. He stepped into me and then we began to go down. And we were going down on the inside of Stephen Brooks. Now, Years ago, when I was a young boy, my parents took me to Carlsbad Caverns, in New Mexico, and so what happens if you want to go down to see the caves, uh, then you go down a, an elevator, and the elevator just takes a long, long time. Why? Because you're going way, way down. That's a little bit what this reminded me of. We got on this elevator on the inside of my heart, and uh, it's not like a real elevator, but it was something that was allowing us to go down, and we're going down floor after floor after floor, further and further and further, until we got to the very bottom of my heart, or until we got to the very core of my being. This was an amazing experience. As a matter of fact, when we got to the very bottom and kind of like, you know, when you get to the bottom, if you come down from an elevator, you get all the way to the bottom, it kind of stops. It's a smooth stop, but it's still like a, you know, it's like it's a solid stop. And then you step out. That's the way it was. We got to the very bottom. And it was interesting because when we got to the bottom, uh, because my eyes were open, I could still see the natural floor there in my office. Now, there's carpet over it, but there's also underneath that, I know that there is a slab concrete foundation. So I somehow happened to look right down at that moment. I knew we're on the slab foundation. We're on the bedrock of the very core of my being. Oh, glory to God. Okay, so the elevator door opens, <laughs> and the Lord and I step out together and we're standing on the bedrock. It actually looked like that. Um, you know, the ocean, even in the deepest part, if you go to the Mariana Trench, and there, who knows, there could be something even deeper than that. But no matter uh, how deep it is, eventually, if you keep going down and down and down, you will get to the bedrock. And even at the ocean floor, if there's sand, well, underneath the sand, there's still, you're going to eventually hit rock. Well, when we stepped out of the elevator uh, of my heart and stood on the floor of the core of my being, uh, it seemed like bedrock that we were walking on. So I knew this is the nitty gritty. This, um, this is where it's all at. And the Lord said something to me. He looked at me. And now, he does look like a man in his early 30s. He does look uh, Jewish, Jewish but uh you know if if you're curious to me he does his look is like sandy brown type hair and i, I guess perhaps the traditional way that people describe him although i have never Ever seen a painting that anybody has made of the Lord Jesus that, from what I've seen him personally, is accurate to any painting? I know a lot of people, they say, well, so and so, this one lady, uh, young girl who's now grown up, did a painting of Jesus. And, uh, well, if you actually research that painting, that was actually the plumber that came over to her house and she said, you seem to me that you remind me of Jesus. I'd like to paint you and I'm going to make you like, so she painted him and stuff like that. And, and, and you know, called the painting Jesus. So everybody thought that's Jesus. Well, that's actually the, the plumber that came to her house. <laughs> so, you know, um, uh, the, really the only way that you could actually paint him is to be a good artist and to see him. And then you can't, but you can, you can only see Jesus in the vision. And maybe in some ways he doesn't really want Perhaps that likeness uh, uh, or his his image uh, accurately put on an oil canvas. It just could be something that he uh, reserves for everybody until you see him on that blessed day, unless you have a vision or something like that. That None of that really matters, but that is an interesting side note, praise God. Well, I'm standing there with the Lord Jesus, uh, no smiles. He's not smiling at me. He's not mad at me, just, he's, but he's disappointed in me. And so he looks at me and he says, what are you going to do about that? And he points to a billboard. Now, this billboard is on the inside of me. This, this, all of this is going on on the inside of me. Uh, one of the things that hit me is that within the capacity of my inner man, uh, my spirit man, I had no idea that there was that much room, that much creativity, that much space. <laughs> and you're the same way. Pastor Stephen, what are we going to do for millions and trillions of years in heaven? Oh, uh, you'll never run out of ideas. You'll never run out of uh, some type of capacity to do something else or new. Or it just It's going to go on and on and on. So um, uh, the Lord pointed towards a billboard. It looked like a billboard, a big sign. He said, what are you going to do about that? And uh, on the sign were written... Uh, these words, which I believe are uh, these, that these words are the greatest statement of faith in the entire Bible. Would you like to see what they are? Let's go to the book of Job. Job chapter 13, Job 13. And let's go to verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Wow. That's, that is what was written on the billboard. Now, Oswald Chambers, uh, who wrote the devotional classic, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, uh, and you know, he was a real famous devotional writer. Oswald Chambers said that this verse right here, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, he said that statement is the highest level, the highest statement of faith in the entire Bible. Now, I believe it is also. Now, other preachers have some favorite verses uh, that they would be their favorites. Why? That, because the Lord spoke something to them, perhaps my scripture, and that's their anchor stone for their life. But I had the Lord personally tell me this verse right here. In other words, what are you going to do about that? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Well, in some ways, I felt like that's what he was doing to me. I felt like, God, you're like, you're like, in a sense, killing me because you're not delivering me, (laughs) right? And so sometimes we can think uh, in our ideas, maybe because of how God delivered others or testimonies of how God came through for others. We think maybe kind of like um, Naaman, uh, the Syrian leper thought, oh, well, surely the prophet He's going to come out, and he's going to do stuff like this. He's going to wave a banner, and he's going to—we're going to have news reporters and cameramen, and uh, it'll be—it'll be a special healing like that. Well, he had no idea; he never could have guessed in a million years that the prophet was going to tell him to go bathe seven times in the Jordan River. He—he he thought that was the craziest thing in the world. Well. We have ideas of how we think God has to deliver us based upon maybe uh, other stories that we've heard or perhaps even our own way of trying to map it out or figure it out or stuff like that. And when God doesn't respond like that at all, uh, sometimes you're just like, well, God, hmm, I wonder what's going on. Well, first of all, you have to understand that what is going on is that God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You just have to realize that this can be one of those moments when he said, we must go to the other side. And you're going to have to hold to that word with everything you've got, because uh, that word will take you to the other side. It will get you uh, through the storm. But that's really what's being tested in these types. You know, before I ever had this experience and uh, when the Lord came to me, uh, while the money trial was going on, I had sought the Lord and he gave me a word. He gave me a word. If I'm correct off the top of my head, it was Isaiah 41, chapter 41, verse 10 which says, I will, I'll hold you. I'll uphold you. I'm going to take care of you. Well, that brought relief. But when the circumstances just kept swirling and going from uh, bad to worse, I thought, well, Lord, this is, this is really interesting. And uh, so uh, that's when I had let doubt in. So the Lord, uh, back to the vision, the Lord pointed towards that sign and said, what are you going to do about that? And what was written on that sign were the words, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Some of you are concluding this year, and maybe you feel a little bit like that. Maybe you feel like, Lord, I had quite a few plans and ambitions for this year, and I, I, I thought, surely, Lord, I, I would be at this place, or I, you know, this would, or, would have happened, or this, or that, or the other. And you're like, God, um, I don't quite understand what's going on. Well, perhaps God is slaying pride. Perhaps God is uh, slaying skewed agendas. Perhaps God is slaying certain things that that just need to be taken off, so that we will embrace the cross embrace the specific path that's tailor-made for us not only as a corporate church but also as individuals to walk upon the path that God has for you and everything else just goes up in smoke hallelujah praise God I do remember one time being in a meeting with Bishop Bill Hammond and he talked about a wild experience he was having with the Lord of where the pressures and the trials wouldn't relent and they wouldn't let up and one day he cried out he said God what are you trying to do are you trying to kill me (laughs) And the Lord responded and said, yes, I am. I'm trying to not not physically. I'm trying to kill your ambitions that are not in harmony with the path that I have for your life. Uh, Your way of thinking, this is the way it's going to all unravel or roll out or this or that or the other. Lord's like, yes, I'm trying to kill that part of you that needs to die off. Uh, But what it, what the Lord is doing is he's also looking for faith in these times. He's never trying to hurt you, harm you, kill you, or anything like that. All he's wanting to do is for you to go through this trial, this storm, whatever it might be, or these, um, perhaps we could call them unexplainable uh, scenarios. Maybe it's like being out in the Bermuda Triangle, right, where they say weird things happen. Your avionics and your plane may not work right, and all kinds of uh, unusual weather patterns and things like that. Well, maybe you're having some unexplainable phenomenal. Oftentimes, of course, it's usually the devil that's behind stuff like that, just like it was with Job. (laughs) But what Job didn't really understand is that uh, God and and the devil were having this this, uh, shootout in, in a sense, and uh, the Lord needs somebody to represent Him and to represent His principles and uh, His character, and, and there's only one person that's able to do that. So the Lord needs to use Job. Job is God's man, and there's a lot that Job is not allowed to to know because that could uh, influence the outcome. So he's just put in the middle of this cosmic throwdown, and he doesn't realize until later what is actually going on. But this is what he said in the middle of all of that. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And you may be in a place where things can be uh, uh, pretty dicey. The storm is going on and uh, you may not understand it. You may even think, hmm, I don't even know if maybe God's trying to uh, really do, do a work in me and all kinds of things are dying off or whatever it might be. But just put your trust in him completely. That's really all it comes down to. Now, when I saw that billboard, um, I felt grieved in my heart because I knew I'd grieved the Holy Spirit, and uh, the Holy Spirit is the voice of the Lord. He, not, he's a person, but he speaks on behalf of the Lord. But I knew I had grieved Jesus personally, and uh, I I I motioned to begin to speak to tell him I'm sorry that I believe. But he said, he said, don't answer. He said, don't answer right now. He said, think about it. And uh, then the vision lifted. Uh, he left, the vision lifted. And the next thing I know, I'm just sitting back there in, in the office, you know, by myself. And I'm thinking, wow, that was pretty amazing. Um, but I realized I've got to get this ironed out with the Lord. And I don't want this to ever happen again. So um, for about the uh, next couple of days, I just spent extra time in prayer. And the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart, uh, don't answer in a sense until there's an anointing for you to answer back to him what your response is. And uh, about three days later, when I was praying, walking around the office late at night, there came a, a real strong anointing, like a glory area also there in the office when I was walking. Whenever I'd walk in the circle and come to that little area, it's like there was a light shining down in that area. And I thought, well, if I come around one more time and that glory is in that area. I'll just stop and I'll tell the Lord, uh, how much, uh, I trust him and I'm going to cling to him. And, and so that happened. I got in that spot and there was the glory, the anointing. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm not going to doubt you again. And I said, I let doubt come in, but I'm not going to let that happen again. And I'm going to stick with you. uh, Come, uh, as we would say, you know, down South come hell or high water. It doesn't matter whatever happens. See, the devil will try to use circumstances to drive a wedge of unbelief between you and God. Uh, That that wedge is something that he'll try to drive in there. So you get upset at God and you feel like, well, God hasn't come through for me the way I thought that he would. We'll just let all of that go and just do what Job said, Lord, I trust you. It doesn't matter what happens. God, bottom line is I'm, it doesn't matter what happens. I trust you with everything in me. And so you're putting your whole life on the Lord. And when you're doing that, you put in your life on his word and you're just basically like saying, I'm all in. So all this stuff can do whatever it wants to do, but I'm going to keep working by biblical principles. I'm going to keep holding to the word of the Lord. Now, when you do that, what's going to happen? Well, I, I don't know how it, it happens because everybody's story is different, but I do know this. You will get to the other side. Jesus said, we must go to the other side. Well, then you can count on it. He's getting over there (laughs) because he only did what the father told him to do. So when he is with you instructing you, you have to just really hold to that and keep moving on that and uh, you will get there. Praise God. And I think it's important that we understand this aspect of the Lord's character, because I think there is... uh, and irreverence sometimes in our churches where we do not show God the honor and respect that is due to him and we do not treat his words with the great dignity that we should. Uh, let me show this to you back to the gospel of Mark. This is why I like Mark so much because of these uh, uh, perhaps blunt type encounters that Jesus would have with his, with his apostles, not mincing words, just getting straight to the point, not wanting to give them a pat on the back, no little hug, none of that stuff like that. Uh, None of that stuff. Why? It's not appropriate in these types of situations. No, no high five from Jesus. None of that stuff. When uh, we are looking for truth and we are looking to live by faith. Now let's go over to uh, Mark chapter 16. This would be verse 14. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen so you would think wow lord you might be kind of uh kind of easy on them they've been through a lot well the lord knows they've been through a lot but he also expected them to believe and they did not so he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart and so the lord's rebukes or it's not like screaming and shouting where Jesus is yelling at you. It's just the Lord coming and saying, Hey, um, there's some unbelief here. And this has got to get fixed if you want to get to the other side. So that in the sense is to rebuke the confronting or facing the unbelief uh, that would be there. Now I have seen people uh, that are in the church that cry out, Oh God, uh, I want truth, or I want revival, or I want this, or I want that. The fact of the matter is, is that if the Lord actually did come, uh, He would bring absolute truth. And in in many cases, I've seen that when He does come to uh, to get to you know deal with it, a lot of people don't want to. They actually don't want the truth. They're just they're like saying these statements. They don't they don't even realize what they're saying. But if you really do want to live for the Lord and you want to please the Lord and you want to accomplish what he's called you to do, then he will come and he will work with you one-on-one. <laughs> and he won't, he won't, uh, let me say this, like go easy on you. Like you're one of his pet students. It's like, oh, well, so-and-so is has been told and believed, but he, he's special. I like him. He's going to pass anyhow. No, uh, you're going to have to earn it not not through works or something like that but by holding to the word of the lord just like those that succeeded like they did there's there's no free ticket in the sense of you're being exempted even though you don't believe no you have to stay in faith praise god so i want to encourage anybody that may be in a place where you might just be wanting to cry out like like job did or like even some good ministers have done god what's going on are you trying to kill me <laughs> And oftentimes those expressions come because we live in a physical world, and unless the Holy Spirit unveils it, you cannot see what is going on in the spirit realm. Praise God. Well, what do you do when you can't uh, have that information that you would so greatly desire to have? You keep moving forward by faith. You keep walking in the light of God's word, and uh, don't let fear, doubt, and unbelief ever get into your heart. Watch uh, all areas of what we would call complaining or, uh, you know, griping or stuff like that. Stay away from that and just stay in praise and stay in that place of full surrender. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. I'm just um, thinking of many different situations right now. I know that uh, when John Wesley was traveling across the ocean and there was a big storm. Everybody went into a panic because they thought the ship was going to sink and including himself. And he, w- he had preached in many meetings before then and uh, everybody was running around like a chicken with their head cut off except for some Moravians uh, uh, that were on the ship. And the husbands, the wives, and the children of the Moravians were all in 100% peace. They were in the total peace of God and uh, nobody could understand that. And then later John Wesley talked with them and said, how, how could you, once, once they got through the storm, how could you have such composure and such peace and uh, such complete trust in God when all of that was going on? He said, I, I have to know the Jesus, the way that you know him. (laughs) And they were more than happy enough to, to explain how to come into that type of trusting relationship. And a lot of that is just like coming back to what Job said, Lord, despite all of this and certain things I don't understand, I trust you 100%. Now, let me uh, begin to wrap this up. It was only a few weeks after I had this encounter with the Lord and I got back on track, got my faith back online, got my faith back up and active. And of course, repented and the Lord's grace and forget mercy was there to wash it away instantly. Uh, Got back on track And then it wasn't too much longer after that, that the largest offering that the ministry had ever received up until that point came in and it wiped out every bill. It replenished every account. It was like a tsunami (laughs) blessing (laughs) that came in. And then it was also on the other side. You know, when you, Jesus said, we must go to the other side It's when you get to the other side, you realize Oh man, God had this thing the whole time. Why did I, what in the world did I allow myself to have a breakdown for, especially now that I'm standing on the other side of the shore? Well, you're when you're out in the middle of the, of the water though, and the storm's raging. Yeah, it's it's the test. But uh, I tell you what, he'll get you to the other side and you're going to see the glory of the Lord, the goodness of God in levels that you have never seen before. I've had some very unusual encounters Of the goodness of God this year, the glory of God this year. Hallelujah. Beautiful, sacred things. But I know that the year we're coming into, the Lord is really going to move in some beautiful, powerful ways, even some ways that uh, we have not seen before. And I'm excited about that. So my friends stay in faith and fully commit your heart, your life to the Lord. Mm -mm. There is so much Fear right now. There's people saying, well, if I don't take the jab, you know, I'm going to get laid off of work or this or that or the other. Well, these things are tiny, uh, little bitty things. What in the world would somebody do when they bump up against the point where there is the real mark of the beast? Not these little precursor type things, but a real mark that if you don't take it, you cannot buy or sell. You can't even get food. You know, if uh, you cannot go out and buy or do anything unless you take that mark and the Bible says, if you take that mark, you have damned your soul for all eternity. By the way, that mark is something that they'll be able to, uh, uh, upload your, 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 um, how can I say almost like your soul? It'll be synced and linked to external controls. They'll be able to control you even externally. There's such wicked and diabolical uh, demisings of wicked men planned for these uh, coming days of what will eventually lead to the times of the great tribulation. But I know that God has not appointed his church for wrath. There will be protection, deliverance one way or the other. So you have to just, there's a point in your life where you, you make a commitment and you give yourself over completely to the Lord and the Lord delivered me. And what did God do for Job? He delivered and restored him completely. He got back everything. He not only got it all back, he got it back double. So sometimes we can read these stories and we think, oh, this is nice. But when it really begins to roll in your life and you really want to serve the Lord, uh, it's, it's, it's times like that you're going to have to really get serious about this and believe this uh, and hold to it. Because... God has a, he has a whole remnant group of people that are not playing games, uh, that are not just, um, you know, into perhaps what you could call, um, Hollywood style Christianity. He's got people that are very, very serious about living for him, serving him and fulfilling their assignments in him. So this is going to take a complete abandonment to the Lord. And when it's all said and done, you'll see that God's been with you the whole time, and the whole thing is a setup from the Lord for tremendous blessing and also for a great testimony. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that are watching today that there be a complete abandonment to faith and trust in you, regardless of what would be swirling around them, even if it's something so close as extreme Uh, family difficulties, or work difficulties, or whatever it might be, or just uh, problems within the nation of this or that or the other, financial challenges or whatever it might be. I thank you, Father God, you have a plan for your people, and the plan actually involves your lifting of them to new levels. But Father, we must be completely given to you in trust, no doubt. No unbelief allowed. So, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for the corrective measures of your Holy Spirit, for Jesus himself helping us to get to the other side by staying in faith. Now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. I'm thinking right now of the story of, uh, of uh, oh, his uh, name will come to me in just a minute, a wonderful prophet of God. Walter Butler, who had a promise from the Lord uh, and an instruction from the Lord to go and do a certain thing. And he went there and it was not unfolding the way that he thought it would have to unfold. And he got into unbelief and God actually sent an angel to an airport where he was at to correct him. And the angel even held up a book, he was reading, and the book had written on the front of the cover the very word that God had spoken to him. What happened? It got him back on track. It shocked him and jolted him to get back into faith and That angel smiled and got up and walked away. That angel he said uh, looked, uh, was dressed like a some type of European prince, and he walked away with that book, smiling and Butler got back in faith and then after that, some of the most amazing things happened out of his obedience to step out and do what God had told him to do. Woo! Praise God. But these things are very real. Hallelujah. Hold to the word of the Lord. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you need to come to Christ and get your life on the rock and get off of the sand of of lies and uncertainty and of a passing world system we're, we're already at the end of the age. You need to come over to the kingdom of God and be born again. So if you would like to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Christ, pray this prayer right now. Pray it after me. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I turn from my sins. Save me now. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And from this day forward, step into my life and lead me and guide me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Welcome to the family of God. I'm so glad that you uh, have given your heart to Jesus. The angels are rejoicing and uh, we are too. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now let's take Holy Communion. This is our last communion together of the year. Hallelujah. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, the bread and the juice. We sanctify it, set it apart as holy. We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. So Father, as we receive his body, his flesh, we just thank you that we are holding to the word of the Lord. We're going to the other side. We're going to see everything fulfilled that you said would take place. And we thank you for miracles and a great, uh, a great experience along the, along the way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, let's receive the body of the Lord. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes all of our sins away. Father, if there has been any that, that are watching any of your people, they've had unbelief, or just doubts, or just as we would say, they threw in the towel, which is what a boxer does when they want to quit and they don't want to go another round. I pray, Father God, that they be infused with strength and that right now that there be forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of fear and doubt or any unbelief. And we thank you, Father God, that your word will come to pass in our lives. In Jesus' name, thank you for cleansing, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Before I say goodbye and greet you in the new year, I was walking, uh, through the fellowship hall area, which is on the other side of the building here. And I have up on the wall, a big world map. And as I would walk by it and I was just praying in the spirit, every time I walk by that map and I see those Hawaiian islands, boy, something stirs in my spirit. And, um, you know, we have, uh, we have an opportunity to broadcast over the Hawaiian Islands through television. Uh, we are on the World Harvest Network, and that is on uh, direct television. So that reaches about 20 million people, which is a lot of people. But they also own a TV station in Hawaii. And uh, there's a lot of people in Hawaii that may, maybe they don't have direct TV, but they watch that local television station, which is called K-W-H-E Honolulu. And it has been there for 30 years and uh, it covers 414,000 homes and it covers all of the Hawaiian islands. I would love for us to be able to get pure gold onto K-W-H-E. And um, maybe that's something that you would like to sow into. And and if you would, you could even do it before the year is complete. And I would call the... Uh, the uh, the person who's made this available for me to get onto, uh, this, uh, television station, which is world harvest. And I'd say we'd like to get on there because, um, you know, to be able to preach to everybody in, in Hawaii would just be fantastic to share the gospel with them. And I feel that it would be good soil. So if that's something that excites your spirit and maybe you even live in Hawaii, and you, you might think, Pastor Stephen, we'd love to have you on television over here covering all five of the, uh, actually all of the Hawaiian islands. Then this could be something special that you could sew into. So if you would like to do that, just go to our website stephenbrooks.org. There's a link uh, on the homepage. has a red heart that says give, and you'll see the section for pure gold. And when you give into the pure gold section, just write Hawaii, okay? And I'll know what you're talking about. And for those of you that maybe you like to travel and maybe you like islands and maybe you like all of that, this could be a good area for you to sow some seed. Amen. Sow some seed and believe God to give you a harvest. (laughs) Somewhere nice and sunny and warm, hallelujah! Praise the Lord. But I do believe also in the coming year uh, that we're going to take it to some of the islands of the world, and uh, I, I really want to hit um, not only, of course, populated areas, but see pure gold, um, even get in some of the most remote places of the world. I do know that they watch us on uh, out at the uh, Faroe Islands. And uh, some of these places that come in that are watching the programs, I actually have to look them up on the globe because some of these places I'm really not familiar with, some of these little islands and things like that. But I believe we will fulfill prophetic scriptures of taking the gospel to the islands of the sea. And I can't think of any better place to start concerning the islands than the islands of Hawaii. So thank you for uh, your best gift into that. And I, I would just love to be able to cover a whole year of airtime for Hawaii. Get pure gold on KWHE Honolulu and let it just hit all of the islands of Hawaii. That would be so wonderful. So anything that, that you sow into that, $100 or $500, maybe you could even do something special, a 1000 or more. You know what? We'll just uh, we'll just get it signed up and get it playing. Praise God. I'm happy to say that our season three of Pure Gold is now being uploaded to all of the various networks that we're on, and they're taking it, boom, shooting it up to the satellite. Praise God. So new things and good things are happening. We're about to step into a tremendous year. Thank you for your love, your prayers, your financial support that you have brought to us throughout 2020. 21 It's been a golden year, and we're coming into something even greater. I'm praying for you, Pastor Kelly and I and our whole team. We're praying for you, believing God's best for you. And next time I'll speak to you, will be in the new year. God bless you, and thank you for your giving. Bye-bye.